Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The finals are upon us. Tatum, Curry, Brown, Thompson, Smart, Wiggins, Horford, Poole, Celtics, Warriors. You can bet on all of the NBA Finals action with betonline.ag, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up using the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is Wired Up episode number 119 here on the Take It Easy podcast. I hope all of you are enjoying your weekend, as am I. I wanted to just play the last bit of the conversation we had with our friend Blake Jude from last week here on a second podcast here on Wired Up, where I will reveal for the very first time my official wide receiver tiers list in the NFL. And it includes pass catchers as a whole, tight ends included. But we have the ultimate list of pass catchers, wide receivers. Our tiers list officially created here today on the podcast. We're also going to talk a little bit about Jordan Addison and USC football. And an interesting story that I found over the past couple weeks since we talked to our friend Blake Jude. We will get to all of that in a second. But first, I wanted to uh, revisit a a small news story that happened on Thursday of last week. I didn't really have a place to weave it in because we had NBA Finals talk and we had the Stripe Hype Thursday podcast. So it's just a story that would kind of go like as a one-day news blip and kind of be forgotten unless something big happened. But I was interested in the fact that Phil Knight, who for people who don't know, Phil Knight is the founder and 52-year CEO of Nike. He is one of the 25 richest Americans at $50 billion, and Phil Knight is responsible for a whole lot of child labor in Asia around Nike, and he is the center of the college basketball funneling money, or I guess college sports as a whole, money to athletes, paying players via the shoe companies and via the apparel companies, helping as a symbiotic relationship for schools. All of that, Phil Knight is the visionary of Nike and all that stuff, and and the the brainchild of Nike, whatever you want to call Phil Knight. Phil Knight's worth $50 billion. He's an incredibly rich old person, and he really, really loves his home state of Oregon. He He was born in Portland and grew up in Portland. Nike's headquartered out there in Portland. He went to Eugene, University of Oregon, for college, and Phil Knight put in a $2 billion offer along with one of the co-owners of the Los Angeles Dodgers to buy the Portland Trailblazers. And for people who don't know, 
The Trailblazers were owned by Paul Allen, who is one of those brain trusts over at Microsoft, and he died of cancer a couple of years ago, which is a really interesting thought experiment about the idea of you have all the money and all the resources in the world, and yet you've been given this terminal illness that's going to cut your life short by 30 years. It's a really interesting phenomenon. It's interesting for people who care about the richest of the rich people, but like how much of a weird psychology mind bleep that has to be for someone like Paul Allen. But anyways, Paul Allen passed away a couple of years ago. His sister is taking over the trust, which includes the Seattle Seahawks and the Portland Trailblazers. And it's long been believed that the teams would be sold at some point because there really isn't anyone to run the teams into the near future. And it's partially responsible for the fall off of the Seahawks and partially responsible for the Blazers. I mean, the Blazers still have Damian Lillard, so they're still being run fine. But behind the scenes, Neil Oshie, the GM, was protected way too long when he had a toxic workplace situation going on and all that stuff that was happening with the Blazers. And so the Blazers are kind of in the purgatory of ownership. And Phil Knight submitted the offer. And although it was immediately announced that like the Blazers were not accepting offers at this point, and they denied, denied, denied immediately, what I thought is interesting is for Phil Knight, a $2 billion sports team is a side project. And it's what sports teams used to be like when it only cost like $30 million. And I know that seems like a lot of money in context, but like when it only cost $30 million to buy a sports team and sports teams weren't the main financial investments of the billionaire or of the sports owner, they could be used and ran like toys a little bit and and I say that in that your main objective is not to make money your main objective is to continue putting money into this thing in the effort of trying to win you are trading money for something greater than money civic pride championships winning culture whatever you want to call it like trading that in not the main objective of making money but the thing is now all of these sports teams at least in the major American sports are corporations in and of themselves all under the umbrella of one giant corporation and it takes someone with the level of fu money like phil knight or like steve balmer to walk in and even stan Kroenke in los angeles with the rams to a certain extent and he also owns the denver nuggets and a, a english soccer club but still like when you have that level of fu money walking in and saying I, and one of the Phil Knight promises is building a fully privately funded basketball stadium in the Portland area to keep the Trailblazers in Portland for the next 40 years, which is something that Steve Ballmer did in Los Angeles and Joe Lacob, even though he's not a $50 billion whatever, he built a privately funded stadium for the Golden State Warriors and that same idea of taking out a loan and building the land and buying a team when Phil Knight has all the fu money in the world it seems like a perfect combination of person to a place Phil Knight won't make as much buying the Blazers yet it would be to but yet 100% funding of a stadium to keep them in Portland for the long run is something that is more valuable than money for someone who is heading out on, I mean at the end of his life worth 50 billion dollars and it can be an inheritance for his family to carry forward because the valuations of these sports teams historically have been really, really good financial investments. And I thought the timing of that was interesting. And Phil Knight, who 
at this point is basically a mega donor for the University of Oregon program. It has the similar vibe of a pro sports team, but he hasn't purchased a pro sports team yet. And maybe there's a little bit of a, a problem there because he wanted to continue running Nike. And if Nike's a sponsor with a league team with a league partner, there's there's some confluence there. But also Michael Jordan owns a basketball team and he's with obviously his own apparel brand. So Phil Knight just had never been in a place where he was purchasing a sports team. And the Trailblazers, who are the only one only one of the four major professional sports to play in Oregon, it seems like a perfect fit for Phil Knight. Now, again, the other part of this is Phil Knight is an incredibly rich old white person. And maybe we don't need incredibly old rich white people in positions of power. Now, is is Phil Knight more progressive than other old rich white people that inherited teams? Probably so. He was a person who was on the forefront of a, a company that was putting Colin Kaepernick as the face of their national advertising campaign. So there's that part of it, but also Nike, we talked about earlier, they have issues with sweatshops in other countries, and they're kind of the company that's top associated with exploiting child labor in other countries. Nike's had harassment lawsuits come forth in in past years, and it's not great for building in that organizational culture of the Blazers, especially with an organization that... It is alleged in the past to have been ran like a boys club for many, many years over there at Nike. And so maybe that's not the greatest thing to bring in in terms of setting an organizational culture and setting a precedent. It's about trade-offs in that situation because most of the people who have the money to purchase a sports team and build a privately funded stadium are probably going to have some sort of skeletons in their closet. And I thought it was interesting that Phil Knight made that offer public and generated the conversation of him purchasing the Blazers sometime in the near future. So I wanted to touch on that a little bit. It was a story that was just an A block that we can feed in here on this lovely podcast before we continue our wonderful conversations with Blake Jude and my official wide receivers tier list. That is an ultimate June 5th type of podcast content. It is fun podcast content nonetheless. get so much more impact players out of their positions let's let me go back to the salary cap points for running backs i also have something that i haven't revealed yet but i did this activity a little while ago which is a stereotypical middle of june football segment which is my tiers of wide receivers and i have that available whenever we want it as well i, I made the full list but i want to go back and see the 2021 values because remember that stat we used to have that like for three years the top 10 highest paid running backs like only two made the playoffs and it was 2018 Todd Gurley and 2020 Derrick Henry and everyone else missed the playoffs with a top 10 highest paid running back I actually haven't checked to see how this number updated from last year so let's see if the I'm guessing it changed a little bit but let's see how the numbers changed last year in the playoffs so it was okay boom uh, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, interesting. Okay. So out of the top 10 highest paid running backs last year, how many of them do you think their team made the playoffs? Uh, um, just going through the top of my head, right? right um, Derek Henry, Joe Mixon, 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know if Aaron Jones is top 10 in pay. Yeah, he is. It's based. Jones. Oh, sorry. It's based on salary cap number. So the, those things can get t- twisted a little bit based on contract signing. Oh, it's not, based on salary year. cap numbers for last year. Okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, um, I'm just going to go with the wild guess and say four. It is three. Three. Okay. Three. Which again, the past three years, there was only two in the last three years combined. Right. Right. But there were three last year. It was yeah. Derrick Henry, obviously number one. It was Joe Mixon at four. Yep. And the last one was number six, which was Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott. All right. Yep. And the other Makes ones sense. were number two, Saquon, missed playoffs. Three, Melvin Gordon, missed playoffs. Uh, five, McCaffrey, missed playoffs. Seven, Eckler, missed playoffs. Eight, Dalvin Cook. Nine, Kareem Hunt. Ten, uh, Alvin Kamara. Yep. Wow. That is, that is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it just that's just how it is nowadays, though, because it's always so much more of a, a passing league now no matter how good of a running game the ravens are going to have right they i mean they they are are not going to outduel mahomes unless their defense is able to stop mahomes right obviously that's just how it works now so it's such a pass heavy league it's so much harder for teams who are run centric to be able to find success because obviously if you don't have a great defense you're not gonna be able to outdo these other teams that have good passing games yeah i think that's about right so I have the wide receivers list here, which again is a very stereotypical middle of June or early June podcast segment, but it ended up having like 40 plus receivers. So I'm not sure how far down this will end up going, but basically it's like there's, it comes out to like 25 wide receiver ones that I deem are like true wide receiver ones. They're all different like types of players, but that's what it came out to. I do have a quiz question for you on the front end. So do you know who the Pro Bowl wide receivers were in the AFC last year? Uh, boy. Um, so there's four of yeah. them. There's four of them. And Tyree Kill, right? Yeah. Tyree Kill. Um, I think did Jalen Waddle make it last year? Jalen Waddle did not, but this is the game that I wanted to play. Not, so there's okay. three obvious ones. It's Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, and Jamar Chase. Diggs, right. Those ones are the obvious yeah. ones. But Chase didn't make it technically, right? No, Chase did. Chase was named right off the bat to the Pro Bowl. Okay. This is just the initial Pro okay, Bowl okay. team. Like they did they did replacements oh, okay, okay, and stuff sorry. afterwards. Like yeah, yeah, the four yeah. who okay. were originally listed to the Pro Bowl. It was Tyree gotcha, Kill, gotcha. Stephon Diggs. Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase. Yep. do you think you can get the fourth one? Who was named originally to the Pro Bowl, not a replacement, not ever. This was just when they first came out with the team, named a Pro Bowler. Okay. Uh, let me, and let it's me not Jalen Waddle. Let me think of the rosters real quick. I'm pretty sure Jalen Waddle is a replacement. Mm-hmm. I think, because I remember him being there. All so, of this, um, yeah. Here. I'm trying to like go through my head and, and think like, who would have been there? All of this uh, is a fun experiment of like 10 of the top 15 wide receivers in the NFL happen to be in the NFC. It's just a weird yep. break of the break of luck. Uh, off the top of my head, I want to say Hunter Rimfro. 
It was not Hunter Renfro, although Hunter Renfro was a replacement. And if it was Hunter Renfro, it would have been absolutely hilarious. Yeah, that, that's why I thought, you know, it made sense. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was Marquise Brown. Was it Marquise Brown? It was not Marquise Brown, no. <laughs> no okay, okay. Uh, I, I, know, I know for sure it's no one in the East, right? No one in the East got it. No who I mean you already guessed uh, <laughs> who was gonna who's gonna get it for the Patriots? Kendrick Bourne? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Maybe, it's not a maybe, not a jet nor a uh, nor a Patriot. No. Waddle was <laughs> the only one. So it can't be anyone from the East, can't be anyone from the South either, because unless it's AJ Brown, but I don't he he was injured for a lot of that season, so I don't think he would have made it. Um Oh, see, now you're quiet. So now I'm thinking that maybe it is in the East. Is it Brandon Cooks? No, it is not Brandon Cooks. No. It's I was interested to see how either, many right? you would guess before we got to it. So this is a fun game, actually. So this, but this is also just to fill a little bit. So the exact same problem happened in 2020, where the three guarantees were Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, and A.J. Brown. And they just didn't know who to give the fourth one to. And so they gave it to Jarvis Landry, who like barely had a thousand <laughs> yards. But like Jarvis Landry yeah. was also hurt all of last season. But this is a weird conundrum that exists in the AFC where, where like DK Metcalf has like never made a Pro Bowl because it's like impossible to make a Pro Bowl in the NFC. <laughs> right. Um, so it's not AJ Brown, though, right? Like, I'm, I'm not. No, it's not AJ Brown. Okay. Okay. So I don't think it's in the AFC South either. Um, I know it's no one on the Broncos. Okay, I kind of want to say it now because it's going to be comedically funny. Which which person it is? The the fourth okay. Pro Bowl wide receiver in the AFC was, and again named originally to the team was Deontay Johnson. Okay, okay, yeah. All right, that makes sense. I, I, you know what? I totally forgot he even existed. Because <laughs> I thought he was I the noticed. third best receiver on the Steelers. <laughs> and I was like, he made the Pro Bowl last year, like right off the bat. I was shocked by that when I saw it. Yeah, yeah, because he got like so many targets. I totally forgot. I thought he was a replacement too. Um, yeah, I totally forgot about Deontay Johnson. But that just shows, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think Deontay Johnson is definitely a, a top, what? I think I think by now I consider him a top fifteen wide receiver in the league now. But I mean I don't Ooh. know. I mean it's just still like it's tough. It's definitely like you know debatable there. Like so here's where the game people. comes into play. So I included all pass catchers on here because like most of them are wide receivers, but there's like five tight ends or I guess like four tight ends in here that like qualify as like true pass catchers. So it's it's basically like wide receivers plus the top four tight ends is basically how I got it to. And the first group is, so there's eight people in what I call like game changers, like the best of the best wide receivers. And it's Cooper cup, Devonte Adams, Stefan Diggs, Terry kill, Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase, Kelsey and Kittle. Those are the eight that I and came up Debo? with. So Debo, nope, I don't have Debo Ooh. in that group. Ooh, okay, all right. I think I think I like Debo, but yeah, no, I, I think maybe I can agree with that because Debo is also more of a running back too. So he gets like a lot of different snaps in other places. So I could see I could see where you could say that. Yeah. So this brings us to the next group, which is nine deep, and I had Debo, 
DeAndre Hopkins, CeeDee Lamb, AJ Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, and Keenan Allen. Okay. No Amari Cooper. Interesting. No, no Amari Cooper, which brings us to tier three, which is, is still wide receiver ones. They're just not the same kind of wide receiver ones as the other group before, which is Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Lockett, Mark Andrews, Terry McLaurin, Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, and Chase Claypool. Ooh, Claypool in tier three. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Ooh, okay. That's that's high. That's high on Claypool. Um, okay. I can see I can see I think all of those for the most I part. I feel weird about having DK Metcalf and T. Higgins in the same tier, but I think it's appropriate. I feel weird having DK Metcalf and Chase Claypool in the same tier. Yeah, that, little... that does feel weird too. It does it does feel a little bit weird. But I think but, Claypool I mean, has a shitty yeah. quarterback and Metcalf had Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, Claypool definitely had a bad quarterback problem. And he's a deep threat, too. So it's tough for him to get success whenever he doesn't have a guy who could throw deep. So, yeah, that'd be right. <laughs> Maybe Pickett will change it. Who knows? And then next group I have is what I call fringe wide receiver ones, which is like if they're your wide receiver one, you don't have a good receiving core. If they're your wide receiver two, you have a pretty good receiving core. It's kind of the group that I call them. So it's Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, Hollywood Brown, Robert Woods, and Mike Williams. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So you prefer Claypool over DJ Moore? Yes. Interesting. Okay. All right. I like it's bold. I like it. I don't know if I agree with it, but I like it. Perhaps DJ Moore has been screwed by the fact that his quarterback play has been Cam Newton, Kyle Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, and PJ Walker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even then, he's getting he's getting a thousand yards per game or per season. I mean, uh, I, mean so, I mean, he's still finding a lot of success even with poor QB play. I mean, I mean, I mean, everyone's like, of course, entitled to their own opinion. He's it's definitely tougher for him to be the number one target because he's smaller, right? And that is tough unless you're like mm-hmm. stupid, stupid fast like Tyreek Hill. But I mean, um. Yeah, I mean, DJ Moore's found success even with poor QB play. So, I don't know. I mean, that's definitely interesting because, I mean, Claypool did not have any success last year with bad QB play, too. So, it, you know, there's always that question of how that would work. But, I mean, I, I can definitely see. I still agree that, you know, if, if he is a wide receiver, too, you're in a great spot on your team, right? You can maybe see some concerns if he's your wide receiver one and being a playoff caliber team, right? I, I can see where you're saying that. Yeah. In fairness, DJ Moore like had a better season last year than Terry McLaurin. And I had Terry McLaurin above there. So like that's probably the best comp I can find for him is just like their teams are just dumpster fires, but they're still pretty good producers. Uh, Okay. Then, (laughs) then I have a tier that's just ask again in 2023. Just ask me again next year about how I feel about these people, which is Gabriel Davis, uh, Jalen Waddle, Amon Ross St. Brown, Darnell Mooney, Jalen Rager, and literally anyone on the Denver Broncos. <laughs> yeah, every player on the Denver Broncos. I like that. Yeah, just not even going to try and figure that one out. <laughs> yeah. Can you put Kenny Galladay on that list too, unless you're just already giving up on him? Nope, I've given up on Kenny Galladay. Okay. Just Under- understandable. Up. Totally understandable. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> honestly, I have too, and I, I want a Galladay on the Bengals. So, yeah. All right. Then I just have a list of wide receiver twos, which is like 
good, really good players. Like if you're building out a list of 50, you're going to mention them, but like they're, they're guys who, who you want on their team. They'll command money in free agency. It's Michael Gallup, Michael Pittman, Nicole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Brandon Cooks, Christian Kirk, Devontae Parker, Tyler Boyd, and Robbie Anderson. All right. Just, I don't have too many quarrels with that. You yeah. already mentioned Hunter Renfro, right? He, he's already been off. Yeah, right? Hunter Renfro was okay. up there. Yeah. Okay. Wait, where was Hunter Renfro? Oh, Hunter Renfro was originally in Ask Again in 2023. That was originally oh. where I had him put, and then I forgot to mention him on that list. Okay. Hunter Renfro is like, I don't, I, <laughs> actually, he should just be his own tier, which is look at him. <laughs> just look at him. And like, I don't know. <laughs> he had more touchdowns than, than Mike Evans and as many yards as Stefan Diggs last year. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do with him. <laughs> he's in his own tier. It's Hunter Renfro tier. It's just, yeah, he's just Hunter Renfro. It's just ridiculous. Uh, then the last group I just had is like, just, former stars that I just don't know what to do with. So like Calvin Ridley, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Michael yeah. Thomas, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, I don't know what to do. <laughs> just Yeah. Julio Jones. Yep. Yeah, Julio Jones, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> That's what I should call that tier. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> just There you go. I don't know. <laughs> IDK. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty good. I don't know. Like, just two years of being out of football is going to mess with you. I don't know. We're not going to get to see Odell till 2023. So, like, uh, just call it retirement home, honestly. I don't know. Michael Thomas is weird because, like, Michael Thomas could legitimately be good next year. I just have no idea because he's just been gone for so long. Yeah, it's impossible for me to put. Michael Thomas in the top 10 wide receiver list, right? Because I just don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. Because if it's based off of what he did beforehand, definitely he's a top 10 receiver, right? He's, he might even be top five. But <laughs> if but at the same time, you know, this is Michael Thomas with now Jameis Winston at quarterback. He hasn't played ba- a football in a year and a half or two years even maybe um, now. But, I mean, this guy has not been in the league in forever. I, I almost forgot what he looked like. The only reason why I even remember is because Slant Boy, right? <laughs> so – I mean, it's just yeah. There's so many questions to Michael Thomas and uh, and his uh, game right now. You know, it's almost impossible to rank him. So I don't blame you. Michael Thomas has not caught an NFL touchdown since 2019. Yeah, three years. Wow, it's yeah. crazy. He has not caught a touchdown because it's basically been two years gone. Because like 2020, he broke his ankle and tore a ligament or broke his bone and had a torn ligament in his ankle the first two weeks of the season and just played through injury and then missed all of last season. So it's basically been two full seasons that he's been gone. Yeah. That's what it feels like. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how Chris Olave is going to work. You you know, what's weird about that? Like last year, because I was thinking about this for fantasy football context, like last year, all the wide receivers in the draft class did really good. And like Devonta Smith was probably a little surprising, but he was like, you know, the Heisman trophy winner in, in, um, in college. So like inheriting Joe Burrow and I guess Tua to a certain extent and, and Jalen hurts is like, you could see those guys being good. I look at this year's receiving class. I'm like, Oh, Drake London's going to get Mariota. Ooh, Alave's yeah. going to get Jameis Winston. Ooh, Jared Goff. Garrett Wilson. Ooh. 
Garrett yeah. Wilson's getting Zach Wilson. Like, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'm just like, ew, gross, gross, gross. Just, ugh. I just, cause, cause I've figured out that the way to get value in fantasy football is draft wide receivers and draft rookies. Cause there's a yep. chance that like, even if they bust, there's a good chance that other people will bust there, but there's a chance that you draft like I did last year, Jamar chase and Jalen Waddle. So like, and I won the championship wow. last year. So like pop off that way. But I just look at all the wide receivers this year. I'm just like, Oh, yucky. Just yuck. Just very gross. Yeah. I, I, I ended up landing Jahan Dotson in my uh, dynasty league in the second round. And I was like super hyped at the time. And then I was like, wait a minute. John Dot, why do I want this guy on my roster? Why do I, I want Carson it. Wentz ever? <laughs> yeah, like why do I well, not only why do I want Carson Wentz's target? Why do I want Carson Wentz's second target? Like arguably third. Worse. Logan Will Logan Ar- Thomas is still there. Arguably Honestly, third. <laughs> yeah, yeah, arguably th- and, and also they directed a running back. So now they have three running backs that they play with now, which is like uh, yeah, this is like John Dotson's gonna get like Barely any targets this year, I feel like. So, like, why am I drafting this guy? Why is this guy on my roster? So, I immediately, I immediately traded him and ended up getting someone. I forgot who it was. I think it was, like, uh, J.K. Dobbins or something like that. It wasn't, like, the full trade. It was a, it was a part of a package deal. But, yeah, I was pretty happy just, to get J.K. Just Dobbins. Yucky. Just just yucky. It seems to, be yeah. the, it seems to be the move there. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I don't know. The, all these teams are weird. This is like kind of a weird June activity that we're doing right now of just like figuring out like running backs and wide receivers and positional values and stuff like that. It's, it's either that or talk about Kyler Murray. Yeah, right. Let me say real quick before, uh, before we uh, finish uh, crapping on the 2022 uh, receivers and where they're at. Next year's class is going to be so good at receiver. I am so excited for 2023 receivers. Because that is going to be a fun class. We already know Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a very well household name. But based off what he did against Utah last year, that insane game where he had like 300 yards receiving at Ohio State. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, also got Kayshawn Butte, Josh Downs, um, uh, Jordan Addison, the Blitnikoff Award winner, of course. Um, oh, my god! So many other really, really fun receivers are going to be really, really fun to watch here. Uh, in the next couple of uh, of uh, season, or this next season of college football, so it's gonna be a really fun season. I hope that they go to to go to um, to good quarterbacks because you you mentioned it. You know, a lot of a lot of people, at least like for example, in my dynasty league, all acknowledge like, hey, we don't think any of these receivers are in good spots to be successful where their quarterbacks are at. So a lot of them traded away to 2022 draft picks for 2023 draft picks. They moved purposefully to next year because they know next year is going to be a lot of value in those receivers. Now it's so it's so early on in the season, of course, and a lot of things can change right now. But if you're looking at what 2023 looks like with B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Zach Evans, the wide receiver core I just mentioned earlier, like there are eight, nine really really good looking players right now that if they go to the right quarterback or system, they can be legitimate dynasty franchise players for whoever drafts them like it's, it's going to be insane so uh we've all we've all committed down to 2023 already it's, it's kind of funny but yeah i mean it's just it really is wild to see how like uh how you know depending on how a player goes to a certain team you know you just your opinion on it completely changes i loved chris olave but i mean i think chris olave's fit with the with the saints is a, is a great fit but am i confident in him this year at Jim, jimmy's winston a quarterback no I don't think he can go for over a thousand yards with James Winston at quarterback. I just don't see it. Now, maybe if maybe maybe if Michael Thomas doesn't play, but if Michael Thomas does play, it's gonna be really hard for him to because he's gonna be the number two option for James Winston. 
and they have Jarvis Landry now, which is weird. Right. Yeah. I, I don't. Exactly. So you brought up someone who's interesting and I'm, I forgot about this because it happened a couple of weeks ago and I'm not like big into the college football universe, but that whole Jordan Addison saga was super interesting because for people yeah. who don't know, he was like the best wide receiver in football in college football last year. He had an extra year of eligibility and had his transfer ability. So he was like the biggest name in the transfer portal and you know, name, image, and likeness, whatever beyond that, like Pittsburgh had no chance of keeping him because like Kenny Pickett was gone. It's Pittsburgh. <laughs> and like right. the, the, exactly. he was going to be, yeah, I guess it's just, it's Pittsburgh. It's Pat Narduzzi. <laughs> like there's, they just had no chance of keeping him. And like, what was interesting was that he chose USC. And I don't know what right. name, image, and likeness dollars were there, but like chose the team that spent all the money on, on Lincoln Riley and brought Caleb Williams and brought over all the five stars that were originally going to go to Oklahoma. And it's like further confirmation that they just like picked up Oklahoma's program, moved it to Southern California. And they have, I mean, other than like Bryce Young, they have the one quarterback that we know is really, really well, CJ Stroud too. They have one of the three quarterbacks that we know is really, really good in college football. And they picked up, a bunch of four and five star recruits. And for one year, they get the best wide receiver in college football and they have Lincoln Riley. Like maybe, it, right. maybe all the rules are changing. I'm just so fascinated by this USC team. Cause like they just, yeah. they just picked up all of some of the best parts of college football and just put up bits and pieces together with transfer portal and unlimited resources. Cause they spend so much money on the football program. I'm looking at them. Like it's names that I know, and maybe that's that's not how college football works. And I'm just not paying close enough attention. But I'm like, all the biggest names from last year are now all at USC. What is stop? And especially in that conference, like, what is stopping them from like immediately becoming a contender? Had it not been for Drake London last year, I would have hardly watched any USC last at all. Like, I mean, Drake London was really the only thing I really was enamored with on USC's team in general as a prospect, right? So. That was like the only reason why I was really paying much attention at all to that team. And now you look at you know you look at their roster now, and I mean they have a lot of very very good prospects now that are going to be uh, involved in, in in potential NFL draft uh, you know prospects next year just based off of the small I the, the just the, the change of coach from from going what they had to now Lincoln Riley of course who was Oklahoma's coach who is now one of the who's widely known as one of the greatest offensive minded players right. So our coaches, excuse me. So, I mean, all that changes so much on top of the NIL and having a lot of money to throw at different players and things like that. It's, it's now changed the complete landscape of the USC as a football team. They are now going to be, a, in my opinion, a powerhouse because of how much money and everything and the coaching staff they now have. And we kind of talked about this before, right when it happened, but like USC and Oregon are like the only teams that have the money to spend like that in the Pac-12 and it like west of Oklahoma, they're the only programs that can build that type of resources up just because of how large USC is and how much they care about football. I'm just amazed right. that like similar to what we were talking about in football or in baseball earlier, where we were talking about like parity in the sport that USC, it feels like could just spend $50 million and boom, you have a team that's ready made to win. And like, that seems like just a unique thing. Cause not everyone can just buy the best all of a sudden and immediately produce results. Like, the Texas teams have been trying for 20 years and they still can't do it. But I'm looking at it. I'm like, USC just dropped the bag in like a bunch of different places and boom, all of a sudden they have a winning team. 
And that's super weird. Cause I don't, I can't, I think of it in like college basketball with like one and done. I can't think of a case like that in college football. And if this works for USC and they immediately like make it to the final four or make it to the championship game, like, I don't think there's any real precedent for a situation like that. And maybe it's just because all the rules have changed in the last few years and all the money has exploded in college football. I just, I'm so fascinated by this because it's an experiment that if it works and I don't see any reason why it won't work at the very least, getting them close to the playoff or making them a top five team. Like there's never been anything quite like that in, at least in our lifetimes in college football. Right. I mean, for, for, for one, I mean, we, we, beforehand, we, we were never really seeing someone and Caleb Williams stature transferring away from their school. Right. Because Caleb Williams had a lot of success where he was at and sure his coach left for USC. Right. And that, that doesn't make sense in a, in a sense, but at the same time, I mean, Oklahoma is a great program, of course, and you are already finding a lot of success by yourself over there. So why would you change it up? But of course, the, a lot of money being thrown at Caleb Williams, and the idea that he can already be a millionaire while he's in college. And on top of the fact that he's also going to be getting other guys like Jordan Addison and even the other Oklahoma wide receiver that transferred over to USC, who was really, really good last year, definitely plays another big factor because they're paying all the guys that he wants to have around them to come over to play with them. So all of a sudden, basically, he's taking the players he wants from Oklahoma, matching it up with other good players like Jordan Addison, right? So now he's a super team that he's making millions of dollars with. And this is already a guy who is still going to be a true sophomore next year. He's not going to even be draft eligible next year, right? He's going to have an, uh, next year after this. So even if it doesn't work this year, technically, for USC, they don't make the playoffs year one. They certainly could year two because there's a very, very good chance Caleb Williams in 2024 is going to be the best quarterback in college football. And it won't, won't really be that close. You know, like there's a legit, legitimate argument that's the case. So um, I, I definitely think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, all this develops for sure. I really think USC has a good chance of being a very, very successful uh, program uh, this year, but we'll, we'll have to see how, we'll have to see how this all works out. I think for, uh, for USC and, and just to see if, you know, maybe this year one is going to match up with the idea of what you know, the future of this of this program could be. If if they're able to have a very successful 2023 campaign and they're able to continue this and have legitimate success in 2024, 2025, 26, all those years, there's gonna be a lot of other teams gonna be start trying to follow that philosophy and just offer big money to the star players, try to get them to leave their their teams to go to to go to them and go to create their own big rosters. They're gonna try this. This goes full circle back to what we're talking about in the first place. This goes all the way back to the MLB. They're gonna become the Los Angeles Dodgers and just try to sign all the big time players to create a great roster to be able to be successful. And I think I'm rooting for that. I I like I in my mind, I'm it. like. I'm not even talking about 2024, 2025. I think they, if they do it right now, I think I'm rooting for that. I think I'm rooting for the idea that you can just buy a championship in college football. I think I'm rooting for that to happen because it's so unique and it's, it's like, it's a change in the sport that we've, I mean, in American sports, they're all salary capped except baseball. So it's like, this is the only sport where this can possibly exist. And it's never happened before, at least to my knowledge. So I think I kind of want it to happen. <laughs> it, it takes saying is doing something very similar, just in a, in a different kind of way. They're doing it through the recruiting kind of angle. Instead of getting transfers, they're, they're, they're recruiting all these insane five stars to join them, right? So there's a case where Texas A&M maybe is, is building us for the future, but in 2025, Texas A&M is going to be like USC. And so I, I agree with you because I, I think finally this is going to – even though it, in, in theory it would create less of a balance in college football, I actually think it creates more of a balance because we already know Alabama and Georgia 
schools like that are going to be great every single year. But now, if schools like USC or Texas A&M throw a bunch of money towards a one successful season, we're going to see those teams finally be able to challenge the great teams like Alabama in a championship game, right? So instead of seeing the exact same teams over and over again who are always successful, we're finding to see other teams are going to throw all their assets into one season and all trying to compete against each other to see who the ultimate uh, winner of that of that is. And it will create times where teams will have to rebuild and have pretty poor seasons. So it's a risky enough to where most teams might not even do it. But if you're able to be successful while you do it and you win a championship, maybe you create your own dynasty of your own. So I think there's going to be a lot more parity in college football. We're going to see a lot more teams come up and be good again, which I'm very, very excited about. I don't like to see Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama in the championship every single year. I want to see I want to see a Florida State. I want to see a USC. I want to see a Texas a and I want to see one of those teams shock all of us and make the playoffs again. I just want to see that happen. Yeah, what it's going to do is it's going to take – so college football is like there's four teams at the top and then there's like seven or eight that are just kind of like punching behind them. So it's like one year it's Oklahoma. One year it's uh, – who was it that one time? It, well, it was LSU won the championship one year, but they're also big money. It's like one year it's LSU making the playoff and one year it's Oklahoma and the next year it's Notre Dame and the year after that it's Cincinnati or whatever it is. And one year it's almost Texas A&M and it's almost Baylor or whatever it is. What I think it's going to do is it's going to it's going to take either Alabama, Ohio State and Georgia and those teams and put them on a more equal playing field to those teams or it's going to replace them or we'll come to find out that Alabama and Georgia are just willing to spend so much money with USC and with um, with Texas A&M that they'll still be able to beat them at the game they're trying to play. It's just interesting that there's more teams trying to get in on that game and trying to get into the Alabama, Georgia Clemson, I mean, Clemson, not even Clemson just built a really, I think Clemson's done as like a winning team. Like Clemson was this lightning in a bottle type of team, but like Ohio state, Georgia, Alabama are the ones that I think of. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're probably right, but I mean, it definitely creates a lot more possibilities, right? There's still a scenario, like you said, where Georgia and Alabama just still stay on top and are above all the other teams in the, in the college football, but there's more of a chance now where other teams are going to try to rise up and challenge them. So even if maybe this, this definitely makes the idea of having another 2019 LSU team a lot more likely now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's definitely a chance where we can see another 2019 LSU team and, you know, I'm a Bengals fan, obviously. So, of course, I'm going to like that team because of Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Obviously, I was watching it the entire season because I knew Jamar Chase, or excuse me, Joe Burrow was going to be a Bengal, right? I already knew that. So, I was, of course, cheering for them. But I can't think of a more exciting college football season than 2019 LSU Tigers, right? And so, I wanted to see, I want to have other fan bases and other people be able to experience that with other teams, right? So, maybe 2022 LSU or USC. Maybe not to the same extent as LSU, but maybe they can be a fun team like the 2019 LSU Tigers are. Maybe maybe a future Texas A&M team can have all these five-star prospects and be really, really good and have this similar team to LSU. Like I want to see the 2019 LSU Tigers again in some aspects, I, and I don't want it to be Alabama. So I want it to be some other teams. I would love for it to be one of those teams that are throwing all their money in, try to be able to create one of those, like you said, those like long-shot chances of, of winning a championship and, and, and taking down the big, the big bats. Yeah, it, it would just be different. It would be like what Clemson was because Clemson, I think that the thing that Clemson had going for them is like they were a dynasty of like played in five championships in six years and won or what four championships in six years and won two titles. Like that's 
they're going to go down as one of those like great dynasties of college football. And it's going to be weird that it existed. I feel like they're, they're going to like, they might make the playoff in two years, but they're never going to be like championship contender. Good. In my opinion, because they were just, it was just a perfect confluence of events, but like having Clemson be replaced by Miami or having Clemson be replaced by Texas A&M is just more interesting because it spices things up a little bit and gives us new teams that are trying to punch at Alabama or trying to punch at Ohio state or, I guess now Georgia, because Georgia was always one of the teams that was punching and then they they spent more money and got the greatest defense ever and whatever it was. Maybe maybe Georgia will be a fluke too, but like Georgia has top 10 athletic budgets where like Clemson had like the 21st largest athletic budget. So it was like kind of weird that Clemson was as good as they were for six years, but they also had like the two greatest quarterbacks in college football of the last five years. So like whatever it may be, like having new teams there will at least make it interesting. The thing about Texas A&M though, is you can get all the five stars and four stars you want. I know you're still going to lose to Alabama. I know you're still going to lose to LSU and you will find a way to lose to either Arkansas or Ole Miss. Cause that's just what you exist to be at Texas A&M. Yeah. I mean, it's going to create, in my opinion, a lot more excitement around college football. There's a lot more reason to be excited for your team's future, I think, because there's going to be so much more, in my opinion. I mean, this is now the greatest chance we've had at having teams finally take down those types of guys. And like you said, maybe maybe Georgia isn't the, the team we thought they were as a powerhouse, but I mean, we all know Alabama is, right? And so we want to see a team take down Alabama. And I really, really think now we're finally seeing a scenario that's open at the least possibility of that happening. And that alone is exciting to me. I want to see a possibility of it happening because before it felt almost impossible, right? Now, at least I can definitely see there being a chance. I can see a scenario where a USC has a chance now and I'm excited to see it. Plus, I actually know the players this year. Like Bryce Young right. is coming back. CJ Stroud yeah. is coming back. Caleb Williams and Mario Edwards and Jordan Addison all play for USC. Like, no. I actually know all the players going into this year. And so I'm hoping that those teams match up at the end of the season because I like I've been investing in those guys for the last year. So, nope. yeah, get those three teams in the playoff and I'm good. <laughs> Just get those three teams. It's going to be really, really fun. And then throw yeah, Georgia I mean, in there. Have Georgia yeah, be the fourth team. The mailman. Let them Stetson Bennett come in. We're going we're to oh. see Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and the mailman in the playoffs. Stetson Bennett cannot be coming back. That can't be real. That I know it is, but I'm just like, you, you can't let him be quarterback again. You can't let Stetson Bennett be your quarterback for the second year I in a row, and they're actually going to do it. <laughs> They're actually. I can't wait for it. Stetson Bennett to come in and beat C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young to win another championship. It's the most amazing thing so in the world. Fun. I I'll never forget. It was 2018 in the SEC championship where Stetson Bennett had to play against Alabama, and it was that game where like Tua got hurt and Jalen Hurts came back in and he came back from behind. I was just like. This dude is just an abs. When you think of stereotypical walk-on player, this is the guy. It's just a meme. And then three years later, he won the national championship. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Yes, give give me Stetson Bennett, <laughs> the the used car dealer from Georgia. Stetson Bennett, <laughs> Kia Chevrolet of of Georgia. Just please let him make it to the finals. Just it's gonna it's, be so much. As a, as a meme creator like yourself, you're gonna have so much fun with that. If that happens. So I think you you should want to see it. 
Yeah. I mean, I already am obligated now because we made a seven minute or not seven minute. We made a three and a half minute long TV commercial for the Stetson Bennett Kia Subaru Chevrolet of Georgia last year. So the fact that we get to keep (laughs) using it is, is just incredible. It's just, it's unfathomable. It's ridiculous that Stetson Bennett's going to get to quarter. You could have gotten anyone in the transfer. You could have gotten literally anyone in the transfer portal. And you got, you, you decided, you know what? We're going to keep Stetson Bennett and Jake Fromm. Do we want Deshaun Watson? No. Do we want Justin Fields? No. Do we want, I don't know, just Caleb Williams? No. We're just going to go with Jake Fromm and Stetson Bennett because Kirby Smart doesn't know offense. Yeah. Yeah. He, he plays it off the running game. That's it. You know, they just have the insane running backs year in and year out. And then you're good because you have. An oh, insane yeah. I, I thought they were going to get James Cook back this year. The, the, the Cook family that just destroys Michigan's hopes and dreams. But I saw he's in the <laughs> NFL now. Yeah. So, he's disappointing. Yeah. He'll hopefully he turns out good on Buffalo. Cause I want to keep talking about James Cook and that whole family that just terrorizes the university of Michigan. But it's <laughs> Buffalo. I, I, I mean, he's got a good chance of being RB one. Buffalo's the worst running back room in the NFL, so he's a, he's at least got a puncher's chance. Yeah, and, and I think unlike some of the other Buffalo running backs, uh, James Cook is definitely a more talented receiver as well. So he might play more of a of a game in the passing game as well. So that could definitely help his his chances of being successful in the next level. Do I dare draft him in fantasy this year? Because last or two years ago, I drafted both Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, and, and both of them were just rough. Yeah. So do I dare draft James Cook in fantasy this year? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, I'm not. It's one of those guys I'm not targeting, but if he's your running back four, I would do it. I think he's worth it. He's got that upside. So I definitely think there's a scenario to be made that he could be a lot of fun. So, all right. I think we have to stop because we're about to break our rule of you're not allowed to have podcasts longer than two hours. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, understandable. I mean, I'm just, I, I, listen, when I, when I get talking, I, I don't stop. So, oh, no, I understand, especially when we have three weeks of content to cover. It's just I may I've made a rule is that when a podcast goes longer than two hours, people start to tune out a little bit. So we can (laughs) I mean, we could keep talking about college football and USC. I got I want USC to win. Now I'm rooting for USC and that's kind of weird, but I I want USC to be good immediately. I would be it would be so unique if they can just buy a champion. That would be so interesting. And they have all the fun players together on the same team. Would be It would be so cool to just watch them. Well, I guess no one would watch them because they'd be playing at 7.30 on Saturdays. But like, it would be cool to hear about how they beat up on Arizona State and Colorado. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to suck to play in bad Pac-12 teams. But I'm, I'm excited to watch. In one of these future podcasts, we can definitely do like a full breakdown if you want and talk about it because they're, they're going to be a team that I'm definitely going to be kind of rooting for this year. I'm excited to watch. Yeah, I am too. It's going to be interesting to watch. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.